This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 704 of Horse Tip Daily. A different horse tip, a different equine topic, a different equestrian expert every day. Horse Tip Daily brings the world of equine knowledge to you one day at a time. Today's tip is brought to you by EquestrianCollections.com. Hi, Coach Jen here, and thanks for tuning in to Horse Tip Daily. Today's tip is an excerpt from the Horse.com's weekly horse health report on the Horses in the Morning Show, episode 516. The Horse.com digital editor, Michelle Anderson, and Dr. David Horohov of the Gluck Center at University of Kentucky join the Hit'em Gang to talk about infectious diseases. As you might suspect, this tip does have a yuck rating of medium. You have been warned. But before we get to today's tip, let's hear from today's sponsor. Hi, Glenn here, founder of the Horse Radio Network, and I am with Debbie from Equestrian Collections with Equestrian Collections Product of the Week. This week, I'm going to feature a particular item, the Iridian Ladies Chinchilla Fleece Crossover Turtleneck. But what I really want to talk about is the entire Chinchilla line. It's getting into autumn and cooler weather, and I'm telling you, this is the softest material you will ever put on. On. And another thing I like about this uh, this particular line is it's different. It's not just a turtleneck like your regular turtleneck. This one has a crossover so that it comes down to a little bit of a V, and it makes it so much more comfortable. It's not always hitting your chin. And it's very, very comfortable and warmer than you would imagine. It's very light, but it's also very warm. It comes in a quarter zip, and it comes in the crossover, and it comes in a regular but the way it's spelled, when you go on the website, it's chinchilla, C-H-I-N-C-H-I-L-L-A-A-A-H. It's the perfect, perfect name because chinchilla itself is so soft. It's for chilly weather. And when you put it on, it makes you go, ah. <laughs> so look for the chinchilla fleece turtleneck. That's put out by Iridian, and it looks like it comes in a variety of colors as well. It does. A really pretty blue and a really pretty gray. And I think it also comes in um, a a red Red, color. Yeah, Yeah. Rudy. Yep, that's terrific. Well, very good. Well, you can find all of the Iridian products as well as the Chinchilla line at (laughs) equestriancollections.com. And we have them in stock, so we can ship them out the day you order. This product highlight was produced by the Horse Radio Network. Listen to all of our shows at horseradionetwork.com. Well, when we've been very busy here at the horse and the horse.com, and we have a lot of really cool things we're covering between now and the holiday season, uh, this is kind of the convention time of year for all the vets who, it's after the show season, it's before. Uh, breeding and foaling season, so this is the time they're all going and getting their continuing education, and we are following them. Uh, right now I'm at the uh, International Conference on Equine Infectious Disease here in Lexington, Kentucky. I'm not in Oregon like I usually am. Um, next week I'm headed to the Laminitis Conference, which is in California, and then we have the American Association of Equine Practitioners uh, seminar in Anaheim, so really, wow. really busy between now and Christmas. I'd say, I'd say. Yeah. And so now you're at the Equine Infectious Disease Conference. That is a place that I do not want to be, I have to admit. Yeah. <laughs> you, you would be down at the Starbucks drinking coffee, Glenn. 
And Jamie, she would go home a nervous wreck. She would go home thinking yep. her horses had everything that ever existed in an infectious yes. disease. Yes, and I, I was kind of hoping she'd be here to to be part of this conversation today, but maybe we're we're saving her from it because yeah. I I deal with this stuff every day, and I'm having nightmares at night of my horses gutted on the pathologist's lab floor uh, after sitting through these sessions. So um, it's a little traumatic, um, even if you have a tough stomach. <laughs> well, why don't you introduce your guest? Okay, well, uh, it's Dr. David Horohov. Is he on the, the phone yes, with us? Yes, I am. Yes, I am. Hi, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Good morning. Am I being a little dramatic, maybe? Uh, uh, I'm going to try to uh, awaken you from your nightmare, maybe, and uh, <laughs> show you that there's actually better better dreams ahead, perhaps. Thank oh, you. good. Yes. Good. Yes. Makes me feel better. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dr. Horov is uh, with the Gluck Center here in Lexington at University of Kentucky, uh, and he is the chairman for the committee that organized uh, this event, and it is really a huge global event. Um, so, what is the purpose of having this meeting? Well, the purpose is, is it's a research meeting that involves uh, research scientists and veterinarians uh, from around the world who have an interest in, in equine infectious disease, and primarily in, in learning more about these diseases and, and finding ways to deal with them so they're not the, not the nightmares that uh, you described. <laughs> so what kind of um, disease has been at the forefront of this meeting? What have we been so, talking about the most? So we probably have uh, a, a still a great deal of interest in, in equine herpes virus, and, and particularly in the, in the form of myeloencephalitis. That is still uh, certain myeloencephalopathy, sorry, which is still certainly one of the great black boxes that we have right now that we're trying to better understand. Uh, this is a virus that typically affects almost all horses and outside of when they're very young and then it's a respiratory disease on uh, pregnant mares, it can cause abortion, but we've got a pretty good handle on that now. But this neurologic syndrome that we see is, is still something that just we really don't understand and, and we certainly think more work is needed in this area. So it is one of the nightmares, I'm afraid, and it's one that's not going to go away very soon. Yeah. We also have so, a, a... Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, no, go ahead if you have more... Well, and we also have, uh, this, this meeting has a very long, uh, strong emphasis in parasitology as well and, and parasite control. And I know it's something that the average horse owner doesn't think very much about anymore and something because we've had wonderful drugs that for many, many years have been very successful in, in preventing or treating uh, parasitism in our horses and so it becomes very much a non-issue for many horse owners. Unfortunately, uh, over the last number of years now, we've been having more problems with parasites, and primarily because the drugs have stopped working. And so that's a, certainly a very important focus of the meeting now. Why has that happened, and what can we do to stop this trend? And I have to say, as a horse owner, sitting in and listening to these conversations and these lectures, um, I'm more confused than I was to begin with on deworming <laughs> my horse. Um, but it's really reassuring to know that there's so many people who are studying this and trying to find positive solutions for our animals. And I think that's something that we'll try to do at the horse and the horse.com is really track down some good advice uh, from coming out of these meetings on how to take care of our horses and create a, a positive deworming program. Is that one of the goals of this meeting? Yeah, very to much. Help? Yes. 
Yeah, very much so. And, and, and I want to come back to the fact that this, this is a global issue, and that's part of the reason that, that this international conference that we, we address this topic, because it's something that, that was seen in Europe uh, fairly on, and it's been seen in Australia, and it certainly is being seen now in the United States. And so it's certainly uh, going to require that we rethink uh, the way we've been treating horses uh, with most anthelmintics. Uh, a lot of times treatment has been based sort of on the calendar. It's uh, the spring, it's time to deworm your horse. It's in the fall, do it again. Uh, now we're becoming a little more strategic in our thinking, and, and not every horse needs to be dewormed, and, and it may not be necessary to deworm on any type of a schedule like that. And so we're looking at sort of a need, be, a need basis for when the horse needs to be dewormed, and that's basically by measuring the amount of parasite eggs the horse is actually shedding, which is an indication of, of what that horse's parasite burden is, and only treating those horses that need to be treated rather than the whole herd as we have done in the past. I gotta gotta say though, the thing that scares me about that is, you know, and I'm 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 your average horse owner too, and a horse husband in this case. The thing that scares me about that is we have enough people who probably aren't giving any kind of worm medication to begin with, and and then a, a very large group of people who are only doing it because it's easy to do on a certain schedule. And I'm afraid if we get away from that, they're just going to go, oh, the hell with it. I'm not I'm not going to do any then. That's my biggest fear. That, you know, that is a concern, and, and, and uh, you know, when in Europe, particularly in Denmark, uh, when they went to a prescription basis only for anhelmetic usage, there was a, a great deal of concern about that, and indeed, uh, the, the amount of the anhelmetic that was being used was reduced, and as a result of which, one began to see more problems with parasites in horses than we've seen before. The good news, though, is that once people began to recognize that there was a need to adopt a strategy that would keep these drugs effective and longer use, uh, they've been able to make great strides in terms of keeping that those drugs on the market there and, and in a way that can be used. And, and the horse owners themselves soon begin to realize that you know that this is an important component of the, of the horse health program. And so I think I think there will be a bit of a transition period, and I think there will be a bit of a time when, when people are going to be somewhat confused by, by what's going on. But the key is that, you know, we, we really want to keep the owner and the veterinarian in the equation so that the best thing possible is done for the horse, and, and that's what we always strive for, of course. Okay. Now, you mentioned Denmark. Um, and, and that this is a global conference. Where else are our speakers coming from? Yeah, we have. Uh, when I when, when I check, checked with the folks at the Hilton this morning to see how things were going, and they've done a great job here, so supporting us in this conference, uh, they remarked that this is the most international meeting they've ever hosted here. Uh, we have speakers from North America, from South America, of course. Uh, we have speakers from Europe and and all parts of Europe, so from Scandinavia down to Italy and the Mediterranean. Uh, we even have uh, folks from uh, Iceland who are there. And, and the Icelandic horse is a very interesting uh, horse indeed, and, and their contributions are greatly appreciated here. Uh, we have folks from Africa, uh, South Africa in particular, and we have a significant contribution of folks from the Middle East as well. And then, of course, a very large component from Asia and Japan, and then our colleagues from Australia have also joined us. And in short, the easiest way to think about it, Michelle, is wherever there's a horse, there's going to be people there. Horses are global animals. 
this is a global research effort, and so we have people from all around the world. Maybe not from Antarctica. I don't think I've met anyone from there yet. But, <laughs> but it has been just really fascinating to me to see all of these researchers from all over the, the world coming together, really to help make the lives of our, our horses and improve the horse industry and make it, make it all better. Um, how do you see this event uh, helping our average horse owner? Yeah, so that's a, that's a really good question because, you know, sometimes people think we're just sort of a bunch of scientists here who kind of do science for the sake of science, as it were. But yeah. in, in reality, you know, our ultimate goal is, is to improve the health of the horse. And so the topics at the meeting uh, range across the board from, you know, the basic biology of, of the disease that we're interested in, uh, herpes encephalomyelopathy, for example. You know, why does it happen? What are the causes of it? Uh, what can we do to better understand uh, the mechanism of the horse that becomes affected? Uh, and some of the work is actually done on, on a much more applied basis. And so we have a number of talks talking about new diagnostics. And diagnostics are, are a very exciting area of research these days. And, and as you know, the quicker we can identify a problem in the horse, the quicker we can begin to address that problem and, and to stop that disease from spreading, for example. So very important uh, line of research is done in terms of developing new and better and more accurate diagnostic tests. And then, of course, there's a lot of emphasis on, on therapeutics and, and the development of therapeutics and, and making therapeutics more effective. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, in the case of the anthelmintics, I mean, we are concerned that there is signs of increasing resistance in, in many of the parasites that we deal with. And Likewise, there is resistance to some of the antibiotics that we now use in our horses. And so how can we use these in an effective and, if you will, strategic way as well so that we can prolong their use, as well as identifying new and novel therapeutics. And, you know, we used to say in the, in the old days that all these sessions are always about pharmaceuticals, but in reality now therapeutics have a much broader reach in terms of the different types of fields that come into play. And so it's not just what drugs to use, but other approaches as well. And then, of course, the ultimate goal, which for someone like myself and, and my research interest in immunology, is how do we prevent these diseases in the horse? And our emphasis is on vaccines, and so we certainly have a lot of talks of people talking about new vaccines or improved vaccines for the prevention of disease. But even here again, now we're taking a more global look, if you will, at the whole concept or a more holistic look at the, at the problems and suggesting that it may not just be a vaccination, but there may be management strategies a really interesting session, I don't know if you attended yesterday, had to do with the role that the gut, the normal gut uh, microbiota or the, the microorganisms that live in the gut play in maintaining the health of the horse and the effects that diet and certainly uh, antibiotic treatments can have on that can certainly affect the overall well-being of the horse beyond what the initial intended, you know, disease may have been that we were trying to treat. And so, it's really given us a much broader view of looking at, again, a more holistic approach of treating the animal and not just a particular disease or a disease syndrome. Well, and I have to say, from my perspective, sitting through these sessions, some of them have been extremely high-level uh, talks, and then some of the stuff is very practical, like with the parasitology, the simple advice of keeping our horses paddocks and stalls clean and picking up manure and reducing exposure to parasites um, is very practical and useful information. So it's been really interesting for me, and hopefully we can get that information out to all of our uh, horse.com users uh, so they can use some of this information as well. 
Um, and Dr. Horahab, this is the ninth conference like this. Um, how yeah. often do these take place? Well, I can honestly say not often enough. Uh, the last conference, the eighth international conference on the equine infectious disease, actually occurred in 1998, and it was in Dubai at the United Arab Emirates. Uh, the meetings themselves actually stretch back to the mid-1960s, but they've been, they've been held fairly irregularly and, and for perhaps for a variety of reasons. Uh, but one of the things that one of the goals of this particular conference is that we now have regular meetings. And the pace of science right now is so fast. And, and unfortunately, the, the equally fast is the pace of disease and, and infectious diseases in particular. As an example, our last meeting was in 1998. What hadn't happened at that time and then subsequently happened was so important in the United States, West Nile virus. Yeah. We went mm -hmm. to that meeting in 98. No one saw West Nile on the horizon. Nobody thought about things like West Nile. We had West Nile virus. Again, yeah. herpes encephalomyelopathy, not much talk about it. I went back and looked at the old program, not a single talk on that particular topic. Now significant amount of work has been done because of what's been happening. So we need to have these meetings much more frequently. And so one of the goals that we set for this conference is to set the stage for the next conference. And indeed, I can announce that we're going to have the next conference in 2016 in Buenos Aires. So I hope you'll join us, Michelle. Okay. Well, I'll see if I can get that one on the schedule. Can I, can I ask you about one thing? Um, sure. Is you know, and this is one that's uh, near and dear to me, and my listeners will know what I'm going to ask about before I even say it, uh, because I've been affected by it, and that's Lyme disease. And, and you know, it's is it on the radar at all with you guys? So we have a session that was that was called Emerging and Re-Emerging Diseases. And Lyme disease is an interesting one because, in, in a way, at least it's, we, we know it exists and we know it's been a problem and we frequently associate it with, with our pet dogs but we never really give it much thought for other species as well. And so, you know, we would classify that as actually as a, sort of a re-emerging disease, something that we knew about but we didn't give much thought to, and yet here we have a problem. And so it is something that, you know, we would call on our horizon and something that we're aware of, but it's certainly an area that needs much more work. There's no question about that. Yeah, and it was, it was actually uh, a bad year for Lyme, especially, in the, again, in the northeast and central states because the tick population was so high this year. Exactly. Um, yeah. All right, good. So, well, so, Glenn, before we go, you have to ask me what the grossest thing I've seen so far has been. Uh, do I have to I, ask I that? saw this, I saw this, and I thought of you. Uh, <laughs> I even okay. took a picture uh, of it that I can send you. <laughs> uh, well, I don't really need the picture. You're pretty good at your graphic <laughs> descriptions. Uh, all right, so anybody that's eating breakfast, put your breakfast down or turn your radio off for about 15 seconds. Go ahead. Okay, so we have seen pictures of parasites, we've seen pictures of intestines, we've seen pictures of uh, lung abscesses. The most disgusting thing I've seen was this funny photo of a cake that some vet students had made of a horse's head, and the <laughs> horse had strangles, and it was vanilla pudding coming out of the abscesses ah! of the throat of the strangled horse cake. <laughs> Did you see that? I, I have to say, yes, I have to say, Michelle, that was certainly a, a very creative use of pastry, uh, to be certain. Uh, and I wish, I wish we had thought of that earlier, but when we had our dinner uh, last night, we could have actually set up a whole dessert board you know, that was full of equine, interesting equine problems. 
It, it would have been uh, great with Halloween right around the corner. <laughs> you think anybody ate the yellow part? Oh. I think they, I think they went for that first. Is what they told us. <laughs> uh, so, well, thank you very much. I know you're very busy with this conference, and I appreciate you taking this time out this morning to talk to us. And I'm headed over to to catch some more sessions myself here pretty soon. So, thank you again. It's been a great, sure. great meeting. Sure, not, Michelle. I look forward to seeing you in the hallways. Right. Okay. Thank Thanks, you, Doctor. Right. Appreciate you being right. on. Well, Michelle, we we are going to not see you next week. I guess in two weeks we'll try and catch up with you wherever you are in the world. Yeah, and I will have just returned from the Laminitis Conference, so I think we'll have some really great information coming out of, of that. So uh, look forward to it. If people have questions, send them in. Um, it's, it's our chance to, to get more Laminitis information. I know that people are hungry for that. Can I recommend some Pepto-Bismol before you go into your next session? <laughs> <laughs> And just really quickly, keep looking on thehorse.com for some... Well, there you go. To listen to more of thehorse.com's tips, just go to horsetipdaily.com and go to the expert drop-down menu on the left. If you love listening to the Horses in the Morning gang putting in their two cents on horse health topics, tune in to Horses in the Morning at horsesinthemorning.com for your daily fix of up-to-the-minute horse health information. You can also go to thehorse.com where you will find the mother load of horse health information covering pretty much every topic imaginable. Don't forget to support our sponsors here on Horse Tip Daily because they make these podcasts possible. Today's podcast has been brought to you by EquestrianCollections.com. Just like Horse Tip Daily brings the whole world of equine knowledge to you, Equestrian Collections brings the whole world of equine shopping online to you. Check them out today at EquestrianCollections.com, and while you're there, tell them Coach Jen sent you. Please stop by the Horse Tip Daily Facebook page and let us know what you think of the tips you hear on the show. It's also a great place to tell us about topics you'd like to hear us cover on the show. You can subscribe to all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network through iTunes or Zune and get your horse podcasts automatically downloaded to your iPod, Zune, or MP3 player. You can also listen to the shows right on Facebook. The player's right there every day. I'll be back again tomorrow with another new expert and a different horse tip. Until then, go ride your horse. The Horse Radio Network and the Horse Radio Network hosts are not responsible for statements of guests or their opinions. Use your own judgment when listening to the tips provided by the experts on Horse Tip Daily.